2: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Vaughn Dalzell with his new headphones again, making a reappearance like at Vaughn. Uh, Today, last day of March, we're going to talk madness with a couple of former players and Marissa Coleman, break down uh, the women's final four, and then Chris Spatola to talk about the men's side, and then we'll close out with some Major League Baseball chat, talk about some awards uh one day into the season. But Vaughn how are you? How'd you enjoy yesterday?
3: Oh, doing well. Opening day was awesome. We saw uh the pitch clock and some other factors kind of influence some games too. So a lot of action. Uh I saw three games of 18 or more runs scored. And the average game's average time in that game was three hours and thirteen minutes. So I thought opening day was a success in a lot of ways. I think there'll be some uh nooks and crannies to all of the rules, but the same time, very excited, of course. Final four action. I know you don't remember my women's bracket, Jay, but I got three out of the four final four teams. We're gonna talk about that today a little bit too.
2: Oh, uh, did did you miss South Carolina? You missed them, did? They uh, no, that was my
3: first and favorite bet. I thought that was the sharpest of them all. What do you think? Thought it was, yeah. uh, it's pretty obvious, huh?
2: Yeah, they're looking out. Uh, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, baseball. It feels weird that baseball is here, still in basketball mode, but uh, it was fun to. Fun to see the games yesterday. Fun to see Aaron Judge hitting home runs and Shohei Otani uh, being lights out, so picked up right where we left off. Uh, but let's talk about basketball. Let's bring in Marissa Coleman, former WNBA All Star. Uh, Marissa, what have you made of the women's tournament so far?
4: Uh, it's been a really exciting tournament. I think it's been great for the game. You saw a lot of parody this year in the women's tournament that you don't normally see, a lot of upsets. A uh, few number one seeds went down before before the uh, Elite Eight. So it's been really good for the game. A lot of chatter. You see that the women's Final Four ticket sales are way higher than the guys. So you got to love to see that, especially as a, a female athlete myself.
3: Yeah, and there was tons of viewership, too, in Iowa's previous game. Uh, we saw that broke some records and outshined the NBA in a lot of ways, too, with their uh, regular season viewership. But I'm excited to see these games because I just mentioned previously, I got three out of the four right, Marissa. We talked about the final four and our picks in the bracket, but I got zero on the men's side, so I want to focus on the women. LSU and Virginia Tech is the one game that might fly under the radar uh, between the two games tonight, but that LSU defense has been for real, 63 or less points in all four tournament games, allowing 49.2 per game. Do you think the Tigers can beat them? We can see a rematch between LSU and South Carolina.
4: I, you know, actually, I'm putting my money on Virginia Tech with this one. Um, I honestly have not been that impressed with LSU this 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 tournament. You look, they they show against Miami. They they had a pretty easy bracket up to this point. So I'm going with Virginia Tech. They're battle-tested. They're, they're extremely well-coached. They have you know a great post player in Kitley, so I'm going to go with them. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see the battle of the post players and also battle of the point guards. But I'm going to give the edge to, to Virginia Tech on this one. I think LSU's time is coming, but I'm going to go with the experience of Virginia Tech.
2: Okay, like Virginia Tech plus 105 on the money line at points bet. Uh, let's jump to, I guess, the big one, certainly in terms of attention that's going to be on it. Iowa, 11.5 uh, point underdogs, shock horror to South Carolina, but with the way that Caitlin Clark is playing and what she's doing, uh, I think a lot of people will give Iowa at least a puncher's chance. What do you make of this one, Marissa?
4: Uh congratulations Iowa making it to the final four but I think you know, the the the, this, the season ends here. You're going against an extremely disciplined, well-coached um you know undefeated, na- defending national champion in, in South Carolina. Iowa hasn't seen that size, they haven't seen that speed and athleticism you're going against South Carolina that is a team versus Iowa and it's really the Caitlin Clark show. She has to put up these heroic 41 point triple double in order for Iowa to advance. Um and you look at their post player in Sonano, she doesn't dribble. Having a, a, a you know a point guard like Clark that can just get you the ball in positions and all you have to do is lay it up. She's going to be forced to make moves against South Carolina because of their size. They have 6-6, six, six, they have 6-5, they have 6-7 and those are like being subbed in after rotation and rotation. So she's going to be forced to make moves because they're just going to be standing there with their hands up. So I'm going to give, you know, this kind of obvious to to pull for South Carolina, unless Caitlin can have some extreme heroics, but I just think the defense of South Carolina is something that Iowa hasn't seen this season. And South Carolina has the reigning national player in the year in Aaliyah Boston. And they, she's putting up, you know, her stat line is much less than last season. It's because they're playing a more complete game, this uh, team game this season.
3: I'm glad you just brought up the name Aaliyah Boston because my question to you for this game is, of course, I'm going to take South Carolina minus 11 and I mean, it's South Carolina. They could beat anybody by 20 points, but Kaitlin Clark's point props is 27 and Boston's is 15 and Which one do you think is the better bet between the two?
4: I'm going to uh, take that, that over on Aaliyah Boston. I don't think Clark is going to put up the crazy numbers that we've seen this year just because South Carolina's defense is a well-oiled machine. Um, and I think what, what a lot of people don't understand, South Carolina, you see teams can hang with them that first quarter, well, the, the, the beginning of the first half. You know, they, they, they hang in there. South Carolina just weighs you down because they have a great, they have a great supporting clock. Class, they have great players coming off the bench, so they, it's almost like this false sense that you can compete with South Carolina. But they they just keep sticking with their game plan. And they wear you down to the point where then they just they they run away with it.
2: Yeah, and South Carolina. So let's assume that they they win this game, which they should. Uh, do LSU or Virginia Tech either of those teams have any prayer against South Carolina, who are minus three fifty eight? Uh, favorites <laughs> to win it outright, very specific price from points bet. Uh, any chance that they go down in the final?
4: I don't think. I think destiny's on the wall for, for South Carolina. This is their season. They came into the season extremely motivated to, you know, repeat. And then now they're undefeated to sort of be repeat, undefeated national champions. And I think something that's so underrated in Aliyah Boston's game is that, you know, you look at her, her sophomore year, she missed the putback layup. In the final four for South Carolina. A lot of people would have let that, you know, affect them mentally and crumble. She came back last year, won literally every award you could win. National player of the year, defensive player of the year, you know, conference championship, national champion. And then to come back this year and be runner up for player of the year again, leading an undefeated team at, Defending your championship, like those are very, those are things that often get look, overlooked, but that are not easy. Like the mental toughness you have to have, the commitment to getting better because you know you have that target on your back. I just think South Carolina has put in the work to be in this position to, to win this championship.
3: There have been six teams since 2000 that have gone undefeated the entire season, won the national championship. UConn did it five times. Baylor did it once. South Carolina looks like they will be the seventh one to do that. Marissa, before we let you get out of here, of those teams I mentioned, because we know I'm up in Connecticut, so is Jay. We're big, big Husky supporters this year. Uh, not as me much, apparently. But where do you rank the South Carolina team among all those UConn teams and that undefeated Baylor team?
4: You know, I, I don't like playing into the game of like ranking the all-time greats because there's just too many factors that go into it, and you know, it ultimately becomes you know it's subjective. But they're definitely up there as one of the greats. Basketball has evolved. And you know, you see more parity in women's basketball these days. So it's it's hard to really quantify who's the best. Um, it could be a, a generational thing. You talk to the Yukon players, they're gonna save them. And I'm sure if you talk to South Carolina, they're gonna save them. But I mean to be go 30 plus games and O after winning a national championship, knowing that targets on your back, that that's impressive. So, you know, props to South Carolina to be able to do this, to block out the noise. You know, the, in my opinion, unwarranted criticism that they get, you know, dons everything the right way with that program. Their players have done everything properly. So um, they're they're fun to watch play. If I had a, a child and she was looking for schools and and Maryland did not offer her, I would definitely try to you know push her to South Carolina because what they're building there.
2: Yeah, still two to go as well for South Carolina. Not quite done yet, but seems like it will happen. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people where to follow you on social media and uh, what other content you're doing?
4: Absolutely. So check us out, Gaming Society, on all social media platforms. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out. See you in the lab. We talk a lot more women's basketball, both college and W.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Marissa. All right, before we bring in... Chris Spatola, uh, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. You get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, let's bring in Chris Spatola, former Army point guard, now working with ESPN and Sirius XM. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, I actually called this Final Four. Uh, I had this in my <laughs> on Planet Earth, who was able to call it. But what do you think of all the chaos so far? Do you think it's good for the tournament that this is the Final Four? Do you think it's bad? What, what do you make of it? You said that with a straight face. Well done by you. <laughs> well done. Um, look, it, it's, it, I'm a little
5: conflicted because I don't want to take away anything from these these four teams. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy to win four games in this tournament uh, to get to this point. And I do think all four of these teams are, are outstanding in different ways. Uh, but in terms of how this Final Four composition is going to translate to TV ratings, interest overall, um, I, I think we know kind of where we're headed with this. It's, it's probably not going to be great. Um, so I, as a basketball person, I'm excited to see these matchups. I actually think they're going to be interesting, compelling games, but I don't think it's going to show real well in the ratings.
3: It'll be interesting. We're usually used to the Dukes, the Kentuckys of the world, North Carolinas, all these bigger brand name schools. And now, you know, the Florida Atlantics, San Diego States, Miami, Florida, UConn, all these teams have interesting factors. And they're not teams that we normally see with the one and dones. Uh, We see older teams now. We kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. But San Diego State's a prime example, Chris, of a team that is really old for college sports in general, um, you know, top 25 across with their minutes back. Uh, top 25 with the age, seven seniors, two juniors. You don't see that very often. And they're taking on a Florida Atlantic team that's, I mean, they've won 35 games. How more impressive can you be for a mid-major? Uh, this game is tough for me. I'm looking at a first half under because this is in Houston, where you're at right now, and you know it's an NFL stadium, Texas Stadium. Uh, so what's set, set the scene for us, What's like down there and uh, where you're leaning for this game. Yeah, I, I
5: look, it, it's um, – I mean, the last – Final four we had, the two semifinals were, were not great. That was, uh, that was about seven years ago. That was when Villanova – we had a great championship game when Villanova beat North Carolina on that Chris Jenkins shot. Um, but North Carolina killed Syracuse in the first semifinal, and then Villanova killed Oklahoma. So we were kind of begging for a, a great championship game. I, I, think, I think these two semifinals are going to be close for different reasons. I, I think in the case of Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, um, I think it's going to be low-scoring. Um, I think both teams have played two of their games uh, on their path here in the sixties. And I think both knows how they, how they win. I think San Diego state's going to win this game because I think defense in this environment, I think I would rather have a team that knows how they win on the defensive end versus a Florida Atlantic team. That's good defensively. They play a lot of guys and I think they're a better offensive team, but I think in this case, San Diego state more reliable. I also think up front, I think San Diego State can pose some problems. You know, Florida Atlantic, not over, overly big. I think the physicality uh, fr- from San Diego State could bother Florida Atlantic. I think up front, it, it becomes a problem. And if San Diego State can get Matt Bradley going, who's been their leading scorer on the year, he hasn't had a great tournament scoring it. But if they can get him going, combined with Darion Tramiel, what he's done so far in this tournament, if they can get a little bit of point production from that, those two guys in particular – I think San Diego, San Diego State wins this game.
2: Yeah. As a, a young man from Australia, it's still jarring to me that San Diego State are favored to make the, the championship yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's where we are uh, at the yes. moment, and it's hard to, uh, hard to go against it. Let's talk about Miami, UConn. UConn, five-and-a-half-point favorites, now the clear favorite to win The national championship. Miami could have easily gone down in round one to Drake, but here they are. Uh, What do you make of this one, Chris?
5: Yeah, I'm going to actually go against the line, guys. I I think Miami's going to win this game. Um, And and I, yeah, I do. And I think, look, first of all, they've had to, your point about Drake is a good one. UConn has won all four of their games by an average margin of 22 points a game. Now, there's the one side of that coin that would say, wow, they're pretty dominant. What's to say that's not going to change? There's the other side. That says, look, I I like teams that have to grind a a little bit on their way here. Florida Atlantic, a good example. They certainly could have lost that Memphis game in round one. Miami's the same way. Uh, Having to come back down from 13, I think that says a lot about a team's character, about their metal. The thing I also like about, about Miami is how unique they are. Yeah, I think Connecticut's deeper. I think they're more talented overall. They probably have more pros. But when it comes to Miami, this is a really, really unique team. They're actually built a little bit like a mid-major team, not in terms of their talent, but in terms of their their size, a little bit small in terms of how they play. They spread you out. They're going to try to drive you, take you off the bounce. I think this game is really up and down. So whatever that over looks like, I, I think the over could hit in this particular game. But I like Miami to win it because I like a team that has three alpha scores in a tournament where points – particularly a Final Four, where there's a lot of pressure, points can be hard to come by. I want the team that's got three dudes in Jordan Miller, Isaiah Wong, and Nigel Pack who can go out and get you a bucket in a number of different ways. And I think it's a Miami team that has found the ability to rebound, which they're going to need to do against UConn because they've dominated the glass. And it's a team that has defended really, really well in the second halves of these games. And it's a team that I think – after losing the way they did in the Elite Eight last year to Kansas, I think it's a team that's developed a ton of character over the course of this season, and I think they got. To, I think they're going to beat Connecticut
3: in this game tomorrow. Well, you sold me, Chris. I'm driving to Boston tomorrow, and I'm going to place a bet on Miami Hurricanes because <laughs> I've been. I've been trying to decide how to bet this game, and as a as someone who wants to support UConn in this spot, I kind of thought playing their team total, them to score a certain amount of points, 75, 76 points, was the appropriate way because. I'll agree with you. I think Miami could stick around and win this game. And you said something on SiriusXM radio that I heard and I saw on your, uh, your Twitter page that really stuck with me about Miami, bringing back guys like Miller, Wong, Pack, Poplar. They got O'Meara to transfer in. When you get a team that's built like they are and you bring back guys, it shows you how significant they were when they sniffed a the Final Four last year before they got blown out by Kansas. So uh, I really liked your breakdown there with Miami. So if you think Miami wins this game, and you think San Diego State wins this game, that sets us up for a very interesting final with two teams that play completely different styles. Yeah. Uh, where would you go with this game? And, um, yeah, who do you think wins, I guess?
5: Yeah, I, I think Miami cuts down the nets. And, and I think you're, what you were just saying there um, about Miami is, is, is what I believe. I, I, there are a lot of things that go into winning six games in this tournament. And I think the ability to bring back guys from a team that lost, again, the way they did to Kansas in that Elite Eight last year, I'm calling it competitive equity. You know, you don't see it a lot now in in college basketball because players are moving from team to team to team. So you don't get that carryover of, man, we really had our faces rubbed in mud in the tournament last year. We were really embarrassed. And we grew from that. You don't get that a lot. But Miami has that with the number of guys they brought back. And then you add two really excellent transfers in Nigel Pack from Kansas State, who, let me remind people, was first-team All-Big 12 last year. The dude can ball. And then Norchad O'Meara, who dominated the Sun Belt. He was the player of the year in that league last year. He was the defensive player in the, uh, of the year in that league last year. And he plays a lot bigger than his 6'7 frame. I just think they're really unique. And, again, I think they are a team that plays a little bit like a mid-major. I don't mean that as a slight. I'm trying to impress upon people that they're tough to prepare for. They're tough to defend. And on a quick turnaround, I think people have to understand when you win in that final four in that semifinal and you got to turn around and do a quick preparation for a team like Miami, I think there's a lot there that you're going to have to try to cover. And I think it's a Miami team that won't be phased by the physicality of San Diego State. It's a Miami team that has proven they can win in any type of game and I think it's a team that's got that old enough, that old enough, uh, again, that competitive equity that they've built up that I think Miami's going to cut down the nets on Monday.
2: Wow. Okay. I like it. Uh, last one for you, Chris, on the most outstanding player uh, market, mm-hmm. which is, as you might expect, uh, led by. A couple of UConn players, because they are the favorite to win at the moment in uh, Adama Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins. Uh, seems like you don't like UConn, though. So is there a player in particular that you think uh, is going to win most outstanding player?
5: Yeah, it's it's interesting with Miami because, again, they've got three guys who are certainly capable. I mean, Nigel Pack went for 27 in that game against Houston. He could certainly have a loud game. Jordan Miller was fantastic uh, in, their, in their game in the Elite Eight. Um, so, look... I think Isaiah Wong ultimately is, is probably going to be that guy. He was the ACC's player of the year. Uh, this is a guy who took over that Texas game in the second half and, and I thought won that game largely with his ability to break down their defense and create offense. So on a team with three guys who could certainly put up a number, I, I think Isaiah Wong probably has the best sem- semifinal and, and ultimately final here. And, and um, I would probably
2: go with Isaiah Wong to win that award. Okay, Isaiah Wong is plus twelve hundred uh, to win that award. So uh, yeah, might be worth uh, following that one in. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people where to follow you and uh, and what you're working on?
5: Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Chris underscore Spitola, and then, uh, we'll be on. We're doing shows on Sirius XM Channel eighty four here at the Final Four throughout the day. Uh, so so
2: check it out. I appreciate you guys having me. Awesome. Thank you very much, Chris. Joy Houston.
6: It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1 800 9 with it. In Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. In Virginia, call 1 888 532 3500. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York. That's 467 369. In New York, call 1 800. Gambler. In Pennsylvania, call 1 877 770 STOP. That's 1 877 770 6867. In Louisiana. All right, before we talk some
2: baseball, a reminder, Vaughan, baseball season is here. Started yesterday. New rules. Better game. Uh, and you can pair it with the World Baseball Draft Guide. For anyone who hasn't done their draft yet, get all the player profiles, rankings, and projections you need for that draft. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use code Pennant25 to save 25% at checkout. Baseball season's already started, so most of these awards are already decided, but let's talk about them anyway. AL and NL Cy Young. Start with the AL where I thought I had a bet on Jacob deGrom at plus 750 to win AL Cy Young just on the thought that he's the best pitcher in baseball by a fairly substantial margin whenever he's healthy, and I thought it was mostly a bet on health, but... Uh, he was apparently healthy yesterday and got shelled anyway, so I think he might have shades of my Rudy Gobert defensive player <laughs> of the year bet where it's not quite... Jay, not quite factoring in as much. Uh, changing team, changing scenery, changing environment can have an adverse impact uh, on a player, uh, but he's still the favourite, plus 550, t- uh, tied with Garrett Cole, uh, who was excellent yesterday. Dylan Cease yeah. next, was also excellent. Show t- Otani. Uh, a bit excellent. of a sleeper in this market, also excellent. Uh, what do you make of Seungwon?
3: Uh, definitely interested in the last three names you said. Way more than Degrom, no offense. Uh, but you know, health. When these guys are throwing 100 miles per hour, we're seeing it more, more and more common now. It's these are just more injuries bound to happen. But I think Garrett Cole and Dylan Cease are probably where I'd be looking at putting my money. Uh, Garrett Cole very impressive so far. Spring training, he had 25 strikeouts to one walk. Uh, Opening day, 11Ks to two walks against the Giants in a 5 0 win. So, certainly if Garrett Cole can keep that rolling, I'd like to see, I'd like a bet on him at five and a half to one, six to one, but he needs a 300 strikeout season, Jay, and he hasn't had it since 2019. You being a Yankees fan, you would know that. Uh, (laughs) But Dylan Cease uh, finished second in AL last year, Cy Young. So, I could see that happening. He was very strong yesterday against the Astros, 10Ks, no walks, one earned run. He had 14 games in a row last year with one earned run or less. So, uh those are probably the two best bets on the board in my opinion, but they are the you know two of the three worst odds. So what do you think about those?
2: Yeah. well the first thing is so Otani got absolutely steamed in this market. He's been a really popular bet. He was sixteen to one a week ago. Now he's eight to one. And, and MVP obviously- and Cy Young, that'd be pretty crazy. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And uh, I get it, uh, why his odds have steamed. At the same time, it, I think it's just it's such a higher bar for him to clear because he's going to be in MVP discussions, no doubt, if he's in the Cy Young. It's not like you can really have uh, an injury that makes you not a hitter um, but allows you to pitch, I would presume. Uh, not thinking about the kind of human physiology too much in depth there, but I would think that that's <laughs> unlikely. And so he's just going to be in MVP discussions. And I thought he had an awesome Cy Young case last year. Uh, and just wasn't in the discussion at all. The fact that it's a six-man rotation and he's going to pitch less also hurts him, but certainly he's good enough to be in that mix. In terms of bets I've made in the market, not giving up on DeGrom after one start, though it was not great, uh, I agree with the look on Garrett Cole and that it's just weird that he's never won a Cy Young. It kind of feels yeah. like he's won two. He's never won one. Uh, he got very narrowly edged by Verlander one year when they were teammates. In Houston, but the two other bets outside of the Grom that I've made, I bet on Chris Sale at 150 to one, and then again at 100 to one, just thinking that he has a ton of upside. Looks like he's healthy. And when you're betting at 100 to 1, 150 to 1, yes, it's more likely than not that Chris Sale runs into innings uh, pitched issues or gets hurt. But at 100 to 1, 150 to 1, you're riding a ton of uh, variance and upside there. And then the other guy, it was also lights out yesterday as Shane McClanahan, uh, who looked like he was going to win uh, in the latter part of last season before he got hurt and Berlander and Cease really took off. But he's plus 1,400 on points bet, and uh, he certainly has the talent. Uh, just a matter of staying healthy there as well. So those are my looks in that market. Let's jump to the NL, where, again... Two of the favorites yesterday did not have great outings, and Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns, um, certainly substandard by their lofty standards. uh, Justin Verlander as well being on the IL uh, is a big dent to him, uh, who was a top favorite in the market. Uh, What do you like here? Yeah,
3: I like the the point about Alcantara. I mean, he didn't have a great outing at all yesterday. Four walks, two strikeouts. It's very unlike him in only 5.2 innings, but... Uh, the Twins, Phillies, and Giants are his next three opponents. You could probably wait a week or two and get much better value on the Sandman. So I'd probably wait on that. But my look in this market, Jay, may be a surprise to some, but I like Spencer Strider at 9-1 to one, uh, for the Braves. I like the Braves a lot this season, to be honest. I think that's going to be my World Series pick, and everything I saw yesterday from that offense was very warranted. But Strider, 31 games played last year, 20 starts, went 11-5, and, and he had 202 strikeouts and 131 innings pitched uh phenomenal numbers at home so uh you know he hasn't started yet but uh when he does i presume he'll have a good outing against the nationals so uh i think nine to one price is a pretty good one on him and honestly i don't have enough energy this friday morning to argue with you about why that chris Chrisel pick is insane but i'll just let you watch the best boston red Sox play baseball this year and you'll figure it out
4: on your own
2: Listen, Vaughn, I'm still reeling from uh, my Giannis MVP bets going up in flame. <laughs> After he was a two-and-a-half-point favorite, night. lost by 41. Um, so I'm a little rattled, but that's okay. I can push on and talk about um, MLB pitching. It, yeah, look, Sale, look, he's probably not going to win Sale. It's fine. He's 100-to-1, 1, though, 150-to-1. <laughs> Sale, yeah. he might be healthy, and he's got all his VLO, but, yeah, he's probably not going to win. Uh, in terms of the NL... I agree Strider has as much talent as anyone in the NL. I don't think an innings limit is going to be an issue. That's one thing to think about in Cy Young, I think, overall, is that you know the days of needing to pitch 220 innings to win Cy Young, those just don't exist anymore. We've seen, I want to say, Corbin Burns was like 168-something when he won, and then Verlander last year um, didn't get particularly close to 200 because he was dealing with some injuries too. So guys like Strider... McClanahan, You know, they're not going to be penalized to the point of not being able to win if they're only at 170 uh, innings. But in NL Cy Young, the bets that I've made, got some Hunter Green at 100 to 1. He's all of a sudden. That's suck. better.
3: That's yeah, better. I like that better. He's got a flame I like that.
2: Well, he's, yeah, he's just got a ton of upside. He could lead the league in strikeouts, which, to be honest, is, yeah. might be a better bet than Cy Young um, um, at this point because he still is a little wayward. Uh, he's into 20 to 1 now, which I would not get involved at that price. Um, but if he does drift out again, uh, it might be a good look. Other bets I've made here Brandon Woodruff, I bet at 30 to 1. He's now into 18 to 1. I think that that's about fair. Uh, some fangraph systems have him as the. The third um, highest projected WAR pitcher in the NL, uh, he's kind of a forgotten man behind Corbin Burns, but yes. he's got all the talents. Uh, so Woodruff, I like Hunter Green, uh, I like also Clayton Kershaw, fifty to one uh, in this kind of era where you might only need one hundred and sixty-five innings in his. His uh, underlying stats have remained consistently excellent. So this is a loaded field. So I don't think there's any rorts in this market at this point. Um, I'll say
3: this. I, I like the Woodruff pick a lot. And I think he's going to have a better season than Corbin Burns. And I don't just say that because of what happened to Burns yesterday against the Cubs. But I say that because when you see a disconnect between a team and a player, I think that's, you know, not best when it's your star player or ace. But last year they went to arbitration, Jay. Over $875,000, and the Brewers rejected giving Corbin Burns that money. Um, Yeah, he won't be the ace there for very long. So, Woodruff, I like that bet a lot.
2: Yep, I think Woodruff is. And also, I bet Freddie Peralta 200 to 1 to win Cy Young, another brewer, and that, you know, his XERA the past two years has been 2.66 and 2.70. I just don't think you can be 200 to 1 when you've got that level of talent. He's had uh you know k rates over 12 per nine previously in his career so look you're just riding upside at those prices i think uh, i think he's got a fair bit of it um so that was another long shot bet that i liked also i bet nicola dolo at 100 to 1 you know nicola dolo a lot of talent uh let's talk about mvp uh to wrap up now almvp is i think a really interesting kind of conceptual pricing exercise of just like how short should Shohei Ohtani be every year I'm of the mindset that he should just be close to even money every year for (laughs) MVP because it's largely just a bet on health a bet on no outlier bad year from him which would be you know very correlated with health and then a dude not hitting 62 home runs um because that's what it's going to take to beat otani so what do you make of otani who's right now plus 175 points bet and is there anyone else you like in the market
3: yeah i agree with you i think he should be the favorite entering every single season for the most part but uh i mean i don't i like the value at plus 175 for an award that long tying up your money for that long is uh not something the average better wants to do so shooting shooting my j shot and getting some more value here I think Vlad Guerrero at 12 to one is a pretty good bet. I think Vlad Guerrero overall, the next five years is going to win an MVP. So if you're getting 12 to one, we're going to make some money at some point, right, Jay. But uh, in all honesty, this guy's played 160, and 161 games in the past two seasons. Uh, He had 111 and 97 RBIs with 70 total home runs. Uh, He looked great yesterday. The blue Jays and Cardinals game was probably the best game on the slate yesterday, unless you're a white Sox or Astros fan, but Vlad had three RBIs on two hits uh, 19 points was put up in that game. And if he bats around that 311 and 48 homer mark he did in 2021, I mean, he's going to be right there with Otani all season long. So uh, I think Vlad at 12 to 1 is a pretty good price, honestly. And I think that's going to close a lot shorter this season. Uh, you got anybody else besides Otani or are you riding the Vlad train with me? Uh,
2: I think Vlad has a, a ton of upside. Obviously, we saw what he did two years ago. Uh, and if he can reclaim that, then he'll be every chance. The only only... I like guess a decent sized bet I've had in this market is I bet Adley Rushman at 50 to one. Uh, and pretty good start from him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he would have to go yeah. Four, four, five for five with a homer. And I think that, like, he is a good chance, particularly as a catcher. He's in 30 to one now on points bet. He is a decent chance, I think, to um, push Otani to lead the league in war if he does have, you know, a 90th percentile season, which is probably what he's going to have to do. Uh, and if he, has, if he has the narrative of leading the Orioles into the playoffs, which I think is a happen. chance, obviously it's yeah. not likely, but. He's certainly live to do that. I think that he'll get a ton um, of credit. People just love Adley Rushman as well. I mean, he's a generational prospect. He was outstanding last season. He's got it all. Uh, So I think that uh, obviously Otani anchors the market. Judge and Trout obviously will be heard from as well. Jordan Alvarez and your man Mm -hmm. Vlad Guerrero. And Jose Ramirez as well, who just gets overlooked every single year. Uh, this is a loaded market, much more so, I think, than the NL. But honestly, I think the bet, Vaughn, is to uh, to parlay Shohei Otani into my man, Emmanuel, quickly. Uh, and you can get a plus-300 <laughs> kind of price there. So uh, that would be my best bet in the AL. Let's talk about the NL. Juan Soto, again, I think should just be favorite every year that he's healthy, and he is the favorite again, plus 500. Uh, followed by Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, uh, and then Paul Goldschmidt, whose name it even hurts me to say out loud. Given I backed every single person in the field last year, outside of Paul Goldschmidt, yeah. uh, what do you make of the NL?
3: Yeah, Juan Soto is the only bet that I did play so far, five fifty. Um, it's gone down a little bit to five to one, and after zero and four day in his, day, his season debut, uh, not very good. But San Diego, in general, looked terrible yesterday. But the lineup is insane. So, it's going mean, a lot of potential. Better days are ahead for this Padres team, so I agree with you. I think Soto is the bet to make. But if you're looking down the board a little bit, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., I mean, he looked fantastic yesterday. He stole a base, too, and with the bases being a little bit larger this year, they're encouraging more stolen bases. With the pitch clock being quicker, too, there's going to be more stolen bases. So a guy like Acuna can definitely help his MVP case uh, in that category, but – these are two of the best offenses in all of baseball, so I definitely think these two are my favorite bets by far. I know Trey Turner is the hottest bet and the hottest name in this market, uh, but I'm not willing to go there and 10-1 on the Phillies. I just don't have much faith in the Phillies, to be honest.
2: I agree with you. I'd be fading the Phillies, particularly with Harper is obviously out until the All-Star break and Reese Hoskins done for the year as well, and uh, they're just banged up across the board. I think the way to think about this market, and I don't think the market has this correct, I think there are three players in the NL who, uh, with health, are just better than everyone else. And that's Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, and Fernando Tatis. And now Tatis is going to miss the first 20 games with a suspension, which is also going to impact his chances even beyond uh, the 20 missed games. So I certainly would not be betting Tatis now because there is, a, I think, a 0% chance that his odds (laughs) are going to firm in the next 20 days given he's not playing. Um, But if he drifts too long, there might be a look on Tatis in a couple of weeks. But for now, he's a no bet. And so Soto plus 500, uh, I think, is probably a little bit of value, um, just given that every year he's projected to lap the field in war. uh, And he underachieved his expected numbers last season by a ton. But to me, Acuna is the really interesting one. And if he's just healthy, which he looks like he is, uh, and he wasn't 100% right last year, clearly, like his two years before last year so 2020 2021 seasons like just a reminder of what he did in 2020 uh he had 250 average not great but 406 obp 581 slugging 158 wrc plus good defense um great homer and steal numbers um that was the abbreviated season and he was hurt a bit and then 2021 283, 394, 596. Again, 157 WRC plus in 82 games, he hit 24 homers and stole 70 and 17 bases, uh, 17 steals before he went down. So, if he's healthy and he's just the guy that he was from 2020 and 2021, which I think is a reasonable expectation, then he might win. Uh, And so, I think plus nine hundred is a decent bet. I got some Acuna at 12 to one. Uh, and I think that he should be the second favorite behind Soto. Um, so Agreed. I think he's the, the best bet. And also, just to kind of again, just kind of poke at you in the same same vein as my Chris Sale and Freddie Peralta type bets. I bet some Christian Jelic at 175 to 1. Guys, the best hitter in baseball for <laughs> two years, and then he's got back issues and he might just be healthy. Like, I don't know. He's not that old, 175 to 1. He was smoking the ball in spring training, so I just think that's a little bit too long for a guy who relatively
3: recently had that upside. With all due respect, some names should be forgotten in Kristen Yelich's. His name is one of those names. Uh, But that's whatever. Everyone has their own opinion. Uh, Jake, before we get out of here, do you want a little NBA or baseball bet for today? Uh, A little
2: NBA? Well, I think the bet in the NBA right now is – I don't think Nikola Jokic is playing tonight. I don't think the market has caught on to that. There was an NBA beat uh, writer for the Nuggets, I think Harrison Wind, I want to say, who said that the Nuggets last night, they were talking about who's even going to travel to Phoenix for the game today. Uh, So that would lead me to believe with Jamal Murray already out uh, and KCP in some doubt that Jokic just – Almost, I think almost certainly isn't going to play. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but the line has already moved from eight to nine and a half. But if Jokic is out, I mean, we saw the Nuggets are without Jokic <laughs> last night. Yeah. Uh, and if Murray's out and KCP's out too, then that line could be 12 and a half, 13 by close. So I think jumping on Phoenix now uh, is probably the best bet on the board. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I, I like that a lot too. I played the Pelicans last night. I parlayed them with the Angels, so that ended up being a loser because the Angels suck. But I do think this is the right angle. I, you saw the Nuggets already say if there's no reason to play him, we don't have to, you know, put that air on the side of caution is what they said exactly. So they're gonna probably sit Jokic tonight. So I'm in agreement with you. My play is the Oklahoma City Thunder on the money line against those Indiana Pacers. They just want to go home and go to the Bahamas for the summer. This is a big game for the Thunder. Who are holding that? final playing spot over the Mavericks. But OKC's final stretch, Indiana, Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and Memphis. They really need to beat Indiana. Uh, if they lose to Indiana, they have to beat Utah and win, it, win another one of those games. So if OKC even wants to remotely make the play-in and give their fans something to root for, uh, they win this game, in my opinion, and the Pacers lost six of their last seven. So uh, that's my favorite NBA bet. And I'm running with the Astros. In baseball, but I think the Thunder is my best bet of the day. I think uh, the Pacers have pretty much given up, and they're sitting Halliburton, Turner, and Chris Duarte. So,
2: yes, they, have, they very much packed up shop, um, giving up 149 to the Bucks the other night. And look, okay, see, so without Shay an not great but I think that they probably have enough uh, as Jalen Williams continues his late push to rookie of the year which I don't think he's going to win but uh, it's going to be fun to talk about anyway alright that award so, is get, done
3: after three days
2: yes yes Arrow <laughs> is, uh, is home don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages Thanks everyone who is watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. I'm Jake Crouch from Vaughn Dalzell. Good luck with your bets this weekend. See you next week.